Welcome to Lighting the Chalice. April is National Healthcare Decisions Month. An affiliated minister, Reverend Sage Olnick, joined our Sunday service to lead the congregation in a series of reflections. Join us as we explore how our own identity can inform our decisions about living and dying well, but can also help us become beacons of support to others in their own journeys. Please enjoy these reflections, and don't forget to visit www.uuburks.org to learn more about our open and welcoming congregation. I've learned in my work as a chaplain that there are countless euphemisms for death. Passing, transitioning, bridging to the next journey, So out of deep love and respect for one another, at least for this morning, I invite us to use the D word, meaning death. Because sometimes we dance around the word, and I think because we're afraid of um, hurting someone's feelings, we're afraid that if we say it, it'll come true. But let's risk that together this morning. And I know that there are folks in this space who have recently experienced death. I hope you feel supported and loved as you cope and process your grief. Because healing cannot occur without grief. I believe that talking about life and death is a spiritual practice. We come to this place as individuals and a community to reflect and experience what's important in our daily lives. Community, living, service, radical love, justice, peace, democracy, the earth, and all the beings who inhabit it, our individual experiences, and our worldview. This is the sacred space we create to ask the most difficult and challenging questions. So today, I ask, have you talked to your loved ones about your hopes and fears for the end of your life? Now, none of us know exactly when we'll die. I haven't met anybody with an expiration date on the bottom of their foot. However, because of that, we can't exactly orchestrate exactly how we want it to be. But nonetheless, we are a people of passion. We are justice seekers, and I'd like to think that we're willing to enter into the difficult conversations even when the answers aren't quite clear. We talk about injustice all the time. Systemic racism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, religious phobia, economic injustice, ecological injustice. We all have passions around issues that pull our heartstrings. Based on our ideals, our experiences, both personally and with those we love, our hopes and our fears. And the intersection of all of our social justice movements is that we show up. Our commitments and our attitudes and shared values as a religious community demonstrate the importance of being present for one another in times of need and suffering. An end-of-life justice, in case you didn't know, has been a commitment to Unitarian Universalists for generations. 
We advocated for the end-of-life rights and ethics of people with developmental and intellectual delays in the 1960s. We worked to protect the end-of-life rights for people with mental health problems and psychological illness in the 1980s. Currently, many UUs are advocating for the legal right for a death with dignity, what some people describe as physician-assisted death. And I believe that what this commitment reinforces is the fact that living well and dying well were spiritual matters long before they were medical ones. And our passions and our love for one another don't have to exist in isolation. They intersect. Racism and Islamophobia, LGBT plus rights and climate change, safe gun laws and education equality. In one intersection, perhaps the universal one on the highway of life, is death. So what if talking together about the subtle day-to-day awareness of our mortality was an act of justice, a holy spiritual practice? And as I said earlier, my experience as a chaplain has taught me that death is complicated. I started thinking about how I would like my dying to be by thinking about what I value about being alive. And as a community minister, a chaplain, and a nurse, I know there's a profound difference between being alive, between living, and just existing. Over and over again, I've been with family members of patients who are sort of stuck in the intensive care unit with no direction for their care. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, they didn't talk to their loved ones about their hopes for the end of their lives. And after 13 years of direct experience taking care of patients, there have been a lot of people on my watch dying in the ICU with family members in anguish about how to proceed. From young people who overdosed to the elderly people with chronic end-stage illness who never talked to their next of kin about their end of lives, and those family members struggling with knowing what to do. Because the medical model of Western medicine is preserve life. Always seek to heal, even when curing isn't an option. And there's this sort of minutiae that happens when someone enters the hospital super sick, like on that fine line of of leaving this world. And this minutiae starts that you preserve life and you go to the intensive care unit. And I'm not promoting that that's wrong. I don't think there's a right way to die or a wrong way to die. But I think what's most important is the conversations that we have with each other. What a loving and sacred gift it would have been if the person in the bed would have talked to their loved one about their wishes. What a blessing it would be for me to say to a family member, this isn't about decision-making at this time. It's about honoring the ones that your loved one has already made. Both my experiences and healthcare research have taught me that there are often spiritual themes that emerge amidst these conversations about end of life. 
and those include values, meaning, relationships, beliefs about suffering, mortality, reconciliation, and the afterlife. It's a pretty simple list, right? (laughs) And I wonder right now as I'm sharing what's emerging in you, because this can be hard. I think that's why it matters so much. So I'd like to invite you now to turn inward. Maybe that means you close your eyes. Maybe you find a fixed point of something in the room. Um, But to really connect with your heart and your emotions at this time. Perhaps you've never really thought about death before. Perhaps you've thought about it a lot. Does it cause you discomfort, fear? Does it give you hope, encouragement? Do you know who could speak for you if you were unable? What does it mean for you to live well. If you imagine yourself having the most fantastic day, like the best day ever, what are you doing? Who are you with? And as you reflect on your thinking and your feeling, allow yourself to notice what's happening in your body. Perhaps there's a certain tension somewhere that could be telling you something. Or maybe there's a memory speaking to you. A hope. Remember the importance to be gentle with yourself, not judgmental or critical, but more aware. And allow yourself to experience these thoughts or feelings with grace. They are wise companions. Being Mortal, a best-selling book by Boston surgeon Dr. Atul Gawande, has taught me that talking about death with my patients and their families is a spiritual intervention. I've learned that it's my duty to help nurses and doctors and other healthcare folks enter into their discomfort of talking about death because it's the right thing to do. With the skill and the grace that Dr. Awande has expressed both as a, and cultivated as a scientist and a writer, 
he offers a lot of food for thought. Through moving stories and statistics, he also illuminates this gap. Would you like to know what that gap is? I hope you say yes, because I'll have to stop now if you say no. So So one of those is that 60% of people say that making sure their family is not burdened by tough decisions as they die is extremely important. So 60% of people say that's extremely important. But 56% of these people haven't talked to their loved ones about end-of-life decisions. 82% of people say it's important to put their wishes in writing, but only 23% have actually done it. I will not ask you to raise hands. Don't worry. 70% of people want to die at home, but actually 70% of people die in the hospital, or a nursing home. Did they tell anybody what they wanted? Did anybody ask them? Maybe you have said, yes, older people do need to start thinking about dying. But what if each of us started thinking about the end of our lives as a matter of faith, as a tool, as a source of reflection, about how we want to live right now. Our seventh principle is referenced often. And that one is, we affirm the interdependent web of life of which we are all a part. So we know we're dependent creatures. And what that means to me is that I need you to know what's important to me. And I need to know what's important to you. We live and we breathe and we die in relationship. So talking with one another about how you want to live and how you want to die is an act of faith, an act of hope, an act of love, and it's a loving gift to the people who love you. In the wise words of Rabbi Rosemary Lloyd, The gift of finitude should be willing to unpack it from the bubble wrap of avoidance and fear. The gift is more life right now. The gift is understanding the precious fragility of this life so we can sing more with the poets and the psalmists that this is the day that we have been given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So what's the most important thing about you for the people who love you to know? It's kind of a wild question. But think about what is the most important thing about me for the people that I love to know? I'd actually like to invite you to turn to the person next to you And maybe try to answer that question. The question being, what's the most important thing about you for me to know? What's the most important thing about living well and what that means for you? Ready?
So you are all so good at having these conversations. Maybe you didn't even know, but obviously you are. So what's the most important thing about you for those who love you to know? What does it mean for you to live well? And how can we as partners on this journey of life support you? Because none of us will know unless we talk about it. So start the conversation. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you'd like a copy of the transcript of this sermon, you can find most week's messages at www.uuberks.org/sermons. If you have any thoughts or conversation about today's message, we hope you'll take a moment to stop by our Facebook page and share them. And from all of us at First UU Berks, may this chalice light your path and guide your way until you join us again.